1: And if you're not a friend of the program and this is your first time on the rodeo, then let me tell you this. You need to go to Spotify, Apple, or
2: wherever you get your podcasts and smash subscribe today because the OSP show is back. It's New York, New York, presented by Fandle. Take a shot at betting the NBA with Fanduel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with Fandle, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help Com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com.
3: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with $25,000
2: baby. It is a Thursday, early edition of New York, New York, with yours truly, J.J. John Zastrzemski. We're right here on the Ringer Podcast Network and a schedule, let's be honest, a little out of whack this week because we had Knickerbocker basketball and I wanted to make sure we had a pod after this game against the Miami Heat. By the way, the Heat are a bunch of cockroaches. The Heat are going to be a pain in the ass in the postseason. They are one of those teams. Despite their metrics being against them, despite the fact that they've had a down regular season, Butler's starting to emerge. If they can keep Lowry on the court, they attacked Jalen Brunson in a way that I haven't seen anybody attack Jalen Brunson at all this year. And I know Brunson's a fabulous player. He's the MVP of the Knicks. He's not a great defender. Between Vincent and and Butler and Struess and all of the guys Miami has, they were going after Brunson. It felt like play after play, after play. Nick defense, let's be real. Monday night, Torian Prince torched them. They lose that game when Randall scores 57 points. They lose this game tonight. The good news for the Knicks is their schedule over the next eight to nine games, very manageable, very doable, still should be in a position where they're in that top six. But to me, you don't want to be in that four or five. Or I mean, you want to be in that four-five. You don't want to be in the three-six. You got a much better chance. Let's be real about this: beating Cleveland than you do Boston or Philadelphia in a first-round series. That's what's in front of the Knicks. They're ten over five hundred. They're still two ahead of Brooklyn. They're still two ahead of Miami, and they'll play a monster game with Miami next Wednesday, which I think will mean a lot as far as tiebreaker scenario because the Knicks win. Three out of four against the Heat. Going to be very, very difficult for the Heat to go and catch the Knicks. Heat win that game. They gain a game in the standings. All of a sudden, they're bunched up that much more, 5, 6, and 7. It, it gets a lot more hairy. It gets a lot more dicey. So that was a rough night defensively again for the Knicks tonight. Um, and another thing I got to note here before we kind of do a little smorgasbord, we got so much to talk about. That's why I'm glad we're doing a podcast tonight because there's a lot that's on my mind. I have a lot of, like, random thoughts that I'm just going to spit out there. Julius Randle's had a fabulous season. He shut me up. He's played like an all-star. He's had a wonderful, wonderful year. However, he's got to calm down. His emotions that he feeds off of that are beneficial to him have become, in some ways, a net negative with the technicals and the weight you can kind of get under his skin from time to time. I mean, let's be real. Miami was able to do that today. I've seen other teams been able to do that in the past. You saw it on that West Coast trip when Jalen Brunson was not in the fold. That frustration, Randall chirping with the officials, Randall chirping at other players. It's something that I would circle and and be mindful of the Knicks if I'm Thibodeau and company as you get closer and closer to the postseason. Because I can tell you this, if I'm Cleveland, that's something I'm, Pulling out. That that is a page in the blueprint that I'm trying to execute. Get under Julius Randle's skin, and maybe you'll be able to get the best of them. So, Knicks have a second night of a back to back against Orlando. They got to shape up their defense. Been shooed the last two games. Now, kind of running all over the place here. The end of Elijah Moore with the New York Jets, and this appointment to trade the man back in October. He clearly was not happy about the amount of touches. He was not happy about the quarterback situation. But I wondered, okay, looks like Rodgers is coming in. Rodgers is going to want to have the complement of weapons at his disposal. Wouldn't he want a guy like Elijah Moore in the fold? Well, I guess the answer to that question is no. Because Moore's going to Cleveland. The Jets get a second-round pick back. They are sending a third-round pick to the Cleveland Browns. And I think the overall takeaway with Moore is going to be wasted talent with the Jets. First year, I thought he was going to be a 1,000-yard receiver for years to come. I still think he has that sort of potential within him. I I really do. I, I think Elijah Moore has a chance to be an outstanding player in this league. He's got to grow up a little bit. He's got to have more opportunities. And I think it means for the Jets, they're comfortable with their wide receiver room. They have Garrett Wilson. They added Lazard. They pick up McCall Hardman today, which made this move possible, of course. Mims is still there. But a lot of the reports last 24 to 48 hours more smoke regarding the possibility of Odell Beckham Jr. wearing a Jet uniform. And it's fascinating to me because from a standpoint of what I do, Beckham coming to the Jets is amazing for content. It's juicy. Beckham on and off the field, juicy. His tenure with the Giants, the way it went down, the highs, the lows, all of it was like a reality TV show. Let's be honest. I thought Beckham going to the Rams, what was it? Two years ago, was going to be a disaster. I thought he had nothing left. I thought it would be a total malcontent. I couldn't have been more wrong. He was a model citizen in LA and the LA Rams do not win the Super Bowl without him. So I don't want to totally disparage Beckham as a player because we know he's a great talent and we know he played great for the Rams a couple of years ago. In New York, though, don't like don't like it. Even with him playing great alongside Cooper Cup, that was a midseason pickup. That was a low-risk type of pickup. And let's not lose sight of the fact that this guy just blew out his knee and did not play for all of last year. What does Odell Beckham Jr. have left? The Jets, to me, do not have this sort of stable infrastructure that would want someone like me, if I were running a team, taking a chance on a guy like Beckham. I just think it's too volatile. I think it's too combustible. You got enough going on with the Rodgers storylines, drama, subplots to begin with. I, for one, would not be looking to add on to it now with Odell Beckham Jr. I don't like the fifth of the New York Jets. Let him go to Dallas. Let him go to Kansas City. Let him go to Buffalo. And you know what? A place like, for example, Kansas City, he'd be perfect because they have the infrastructure. They have one. Here, different animal. Do I wonder about a coach like Robert Sala being able to harness a guy like Odell Beckham Jr.? Yeah, I, I, I do. And that's why when I add up all of the pros and the cons, the cons to me kind of outweigh the pros. I'm passing on Beckham from the Jets. For the price he's looking for, for the wrist that is attached, I am out on Beckham for the Jets. We'll see if that ends up being the case. Sooner or later, Beckham's going to sign somewhere, you think. So there's that. There's also Rick Pitino. We've been talking about it on this podcast for weeks. I'm glad that it's gotten the attention that it deserves, not only in New York City, but it's getting the attention around the country, the idea of Pitino this. Hall of Fame coach, this larger in life figure in college basketball, taking on a program that, let's be honest, has been irrelevant for 20 years. When's the last time walking around the city or, you know, hanging out at your bar, your, you know, local, wherever you hang, your buddy's house, whatever, where like, unless you're an alum, unless it's New and dear to your heart, where like St. John's was like this. This, this major talking point. Where, oh, I can't wait to talk about St. John's. You haven't heard that anywhere. They're Oh, he's going to bring the program back. He didn't. Mullen. Oh, returning to Golden Boy. Best pro player in program history. He's going to be the guy to turn it around. Didn't. Anderson. always oh, proven coach. Nolan Richardson, protege. won at Arkansas. Can't get him the NCAA tournament. This skepticism, but not with Patino. Because Patino wins everywhere. And everything he said about guys buying in, embracing the history of the program, talking about Louis Karnaseka, talking about what it's like when the program is great. This is a wonderful thing for St. John's. And, you know, I, I'm scrolling through Twitter right before we started the podcast. And, and I don't even know what show it was. So I don't even want to whoever I disparage right now. I'm sorry. I just forget whose show it was talking about NCAA violations, and it's everything that's wrong with college basketball. Shut up! Save me with the holier-than-now bullshit. Because that's exactly what it is. College basketball is a cesspool period. Hello? Look around the sport. Now, I mean, it's NIL this, it's you know, transfer portal. It's a wild, wild west. Get a coach who can win. That's the bottom line. They haven't won in 23 years. They haven't won a tournament game. For goodness sakes, Bailey Dickinson and St. Peter's College have won tournament games each of the last two years. St. John's hasn't done it in 20-some years. Rick Patino coming to St. John's is an absolute slam dunk. I can't stress this enough. Slam dunk. I'm not a St. John's guy. I'm a Syracuse guy. I think you all know that. I'm going to be far more interested in St. John's next year. I mean, aren't you?
4: Far more interested.
2: I got one more thought before voicemails. I know. I have a lot to say. I think my take to you Yankee fans out there wondering where I stand on Anthony Volpe is going to surprise you a little bit. He's been awesome this spring. He's done everything in his power to go and win a job. If we are just talking about spring training performance being the determining factor on who ends up being the opening day shortstop, Volpe is the guy. I'm going to be consistent here, though. I've said all along at shortstop for the Yankees. Going into the year, it's got to be one of their youngsters. Simple as that. If it's Oswald Peraza or Anthony Volpe, I'm going to be satisfied. I don't think Yankee fans should be like distraught and disappointed if Peraza is the shortstop. Now, I say all of that, prefacing it by saying, "Heard K tweet out earlier today, he's hearing from Yankee people, there's a lot of internal chatter that they want Volpe, including Aaron Boone, to be the guy. I find that fascinating. Aaron Judge said a couple of weeks ago, whoever the best players are, they should be a part of our team breaking camp. I'm not going to be disappointed if all of a sudden I find out Anthony Volpe's the opening day shortstop, okay? I- I- I'm not going to be disappointed. But, It's not like this monumental, it has to be or I'm going to be catatonic. No, I'm I'm really not. Because another one of your top prospects would be the guy if it's not Volpe. it's Been great, though. It's going to be a very interesting decision. I'm sure it's going to be coming down over the next few days from the New York Yankees. And before we hit voicemails, I think everybody knows I, I have not been into the WBC at all. It's tough for me during the NCAA tournament to ramp up that energy for the WBC. I watched on, what was it? Tuesday? Yeah, it was yesterday. The Japan-United States game. It's a good game. The idea, though, that I'm going to hear people tell me that's as good as postseason baseball, that it's as good as the World Series, is insulting to my intelligence. And I'm all for these guys playing with pride for their countries. The United States guys. Trout, you heard him speak on it. Lindor with Puerto Rico, you heard him speak on it. Otani and the Japanese players, it means the world to them. That's great. To say it means more to me than postseason baseball, World, world Series games, that, that Trout, Otani about, bat, as cool as it was, last thing in the game, coming down to the wire, yeah, it was cool. But, like, I'm going to be more juiced up for that than I would be, let's say, Yankee, uh... Astro ALCS Game 7 that's coming down the wire. Please. March baseball. That's where people are taking it above and beyond with the World Baseball Classic. It's a cool March moment. It's March. It's a Monday or a Tuesday night in March. Gave us something to watch. Great. Beat spring training baseball. No doubt about it. Nobody's going to argue uh, on that. It's for sure. Better than postseason games? Hmm. This is, where, this is where the baseball nerd takes it to another level. And I don't know where these people are coming from. Like the event? Be cool with the event? But don't take away from the product that you have coming up on the field for 162 games in the postseason. Let's be real. Some people trying to compare that to an October moment. Please. Please. That did not sit well with me. Just want to throw that out there. All right, let's do some voicemails. Nine one seven. We'll do that right after this.
3: This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All
2: right, voicemail time. We'll take more tomorrow, too. Nine one seven Let's do it. All right, Steph, what do we got?
1: Hey, JJ. Justin in Miami. Um, you know, disappointing loss for the Knicks tonight. It, this isn't the game, though, that really kind of gets you. You know, two of their last three home losses are to the Hornets and the Wolves without two of their players. And, look, the Knicks have had a really good year, and they've been sort of ensconcing this five seed. But they're kind of playing with fire here. I mean, the Miami Heat have somehow gotten to six games above 500 despite with having a negative point differential. But they're now in position to kind of steal this five seed. And the Knicks have to kind of be careful down the stretch here. Because they are only two games up, and if they, you know, if they, all it takes is a, a, a two and four stretch, and you fall out of five, or maybe even six, and it, w- it would just be a shame if after the second half of the year, we don't get that Knicks-Cavs series, because the, the Heat sort of steal it with a good seven-game stretch down the stretch. So hopefully the Knicks can, can turn it around, because look, I think at the beginning of the year, we all would have taken even seven uh, for the Knicks. But right now, I'll be pretty disappointed if this isn't the five sheet, especially if you know, as I said, this garbage heat team sort of steals it by playing one good week of basketball at the end. So it really sets up a big game next next week at the Garden. Knicks win that. I think they're, they're three up and have the tiebreaker. It's basically over. They lose it to one game lead. And, you know, Miami has sort of parted around all year, but you give them a, a chance. I mean, it's a veteran team. They all, have to, all they have to do is play five good games. You know, they could very easily end up five. And if there's a big difference between five and six. If the Knicks are six, they're not getting out of the first round. You know, if you're five, they are five, they have a puncher's chance, maybe a little less than 60%. So we really got to step it up here and get that five seed. Talk to you later.
2: You're not wrong about that, Justin. And that's why the game coming up on the 29th, next Wednesday night, that is a monstrous game for the Knicks. Monstrous game. They beat Miami two out of three. I was concerned about the way Miami went after Brunson defensively. And I think that's going to be a game plan for a lot of opponents the Knicks got to deal with, especially a first-round series. Cleveland, they're going to watch that. Philadelphia, if you match up with them, they're going to watch that. Love Jalen's game. It's a phenomenal offensive player. He's been the MVP of the Knicks. He's not a great defender. They bullied him tonight. They made it a point. We're going after you. We're attacking you. Play after play after play. And they did. Knicks better win that Miami game next week. And they can't mess around with Orlando or Houston the next two. And Orlando will be spunky tonight. Second night of a back-to-back. Knicks got to be ready to go. Absolutely have to be ready to go. And you nailed it. They have a 40 to 50% chance of beating the Cavaliers. I think 40 maybe is on the low end. I think 50 is probably on the high end. They're probably somewhere in that range. If they match up with Cleveland in the first round, it's a winnable series. If it's Philadelphia or Boston in the first round, let's be real about this. The percentages and the chances of winning diminish dramatically. That's why you want to play one of those teams in the second round. You want to get out of that first round. That means you better be in that 4-5. So, yeah. Knicks have four, five, six, seven, eight games left. Eight games left. One with Miami. I think five and three probably gets it done. Five and three, I think you will be in that four or five for sure. And with Knicks' schedule, they should be able to go
0: five and three. You with think. Who's next? JJ, it's the Coney Island Cobra. I'm at a loss for words today. My program is St. John's Redmen, Not the fucking Red Storm. I've hired Slick Rick Patino, one of the greatest college coaches of all time, one of the greatest coaches in the New York area to come from here. I am so fucking excited. I didn't want to call you, get on any of the any of the live shows, and talk about it until it was fucking done. And I want to thank ZB because I know he he was following the story. Unlike Zagoria, fuck him. All the Goodmans didn't want Patino coming here. Dude, this, this is amazing. I finally have a program to root for. It's been 23 long fucking years. The teams that I grew up watching, the Artest teams, the Barkley, even Felipe. God, God rest his soul, Malik Sealy. I have a fucking program again, dude. Madison Square Garden is going to be sold out. St. John's is back. And I just want to tell one thing to the fruits up in stores. We're coming for you. We're coming to cook Jonathan the fucking Husky. The Johnnies are back. Let's go, Johnny. Ah, the Cobra. The Cobra. The Cobra. Uh, A
2: a little vile there towards the end. But he's fired up about his guy, Patino. He is super stoked about his guy, Patino. Listen, Patino coming to St. John's is a slam dunk. You haven't won a tournament game in 23 years. 23 years! The guy knows New York City. The guy knows how to win. He knows how to build a program. It's a slam dunk. And with the transfer portal and NIL, I think he's going to have success immediately. I don't think St. John's going to be playing 90% of their games at corner second. Not with Patino coaching the team. And I bet you Patino went in there and said, hey, we're playing at the guard. We're doing this. We're doing that. And you St. John's. You say yes, yes, and yes. Case closed. How you not? Let's take one more.
0: Hey, JJ. This is Alex. I'm from New York City, from Manhattan. Live in New Jersey now. Love the show. But I have one issue to discuss. Uh, any real New Yorker, true New Yorker, the New York Rangers fan. The Rangers are the iconic New York team. They're the most important team. You never cover the Rangers. The Rangers are playing well right now. They're looking good. They have a, a, a stacked lineup. So, how come we don't cover the Rangers?
2: Thank you. The hockey fan always complains about this. We don't do enough hockey during the regular season. You're right about the Rangers. They're having a terrific regular season. Now, they're behind the Jersey Devils. They're behind the Carolina Hurricanes. They had a Terrible loss against Carolina last night where they had a lead in the third period. They let Carolina come and score two goals late. Basically throws away any chance of the Rangers to go and win the Metropolitan Division. It's probably a long shot for the Rangers to catch the New Jersey Devils, but they do have the Devils coming up on the schedule, with a home-and-home home action. So maybe they could make up some ground and maybe we're singing a different tune coming up. But here's what I would tell you about what we do hockey was, and not a home-and-home home with the Devils. They had a home-and-home home with Carolina. They got Carolina again on Thursday, and then they got the Devils next Thursday at Prudential. And I'm sure there'll be 30% range of fans. Come playoff time, we're going to do a lot of hockey. That's what we do. We'll do another hockey spot leading into the postseason, but you know we do not give it as much attention as we do baseball, football, and basketball. I'll be very transparent about that. And I think anybody who's listening to me for the last decade, knows that is how I handle things. That's just what I do. I think I figured out a formula that works. If you disagree, hey, I'm open to feedback. I may disagree, but I'm always open to feedback. So, yes. You want Rangers? You'll get Rangers in a few weeks. And we'll see if the Rangers are matching up with the Devils in a 1st answer. Uh, to say the Rangers are the most iconic team in New York, I, I, I don't like hearing that crap because, honestly, all of these brands are super iconic. You're going to tell me Yankees or the Giants or the New York Knicks. I mean, these are three of the most prestigious brands in all professional sports. I mean, the Yankees, listen, I'm not just saying it's got me a Yankee fan. I mean, they're the Yankees. So, You get it. You're a big Ranger fan. Uh, That comment was a little off-base. All right. Before we say goodbye, we got some trivia. And then we'll set the stage for what we have coming up Thursday night. I'm going to be very much into these basketball games, fired up for these basketball games. We'll have that. uh, And maybe some picks from Jeff Money. All right. That's all next.
3: This episode is brought to you by State Farm.
2: Take it easy on me, pal. Please, take it easy on me.
0: Larry, answer these, kid. First one. Who is the last player to start 2000 games at first base? Second question. Name the last rookie to lead to lead either league in slugging percentage. I'm out.
2: All right, the last rookie to lead either league in slugging percentage, I'm going to say Ryan Howard of the Philadelphia Phillies.
4: Mm.
2: I felt good about that guess. Not good enough. Rookie to lead either league in slugging percentage. Man, it's a tough question. Very, very tough question. Because you gotta think about rookies that have immense power that kind of came in and you know took the league by storm from a power standpoint. Who Alex Rodriguez.
4: Mm.
2: Stefan, am I anywhere close?
4: A little more modern.
2: A little more modern. Okay. Slugging percentage. Rookie. Bryce Harper. All
4: right.
2: I'm going even more modern. Juan Soto. I felt good about that one. Once you told me more modern, I felt really good about that. Rookie slugging percentage. Oh, this is killing me. All right. I'm taking one more guess here and I'm waving the white flag. Um. Said Soto.
4: Said Harper. Ronald Acuna. Mm.
2: Who the hell is it? Jose Abreu. Mm. Good player. And a guy who's gonna be a total pain in the ass with the Astros. But uh Wow. Would not have gotten that one. Job well done. Job well done by Larry. Um, And then the last guy to play 2,000 games at first base. You know, that would have been a guess I might have thrown out there, by the way, for what it's worth. Jose Abreu. I might have thrown that out there. Hmm. 2,000 games at first base. I'm going to say Mark Teixeira, Stefan. Oh, boy. I am not on my game tonight. I am not on my game tonight. 2,000 games at first base. Jeez. Got to think of a guy who's played forever. Got to think of a guy who played that position forever. I was going to say Jim Tomei, but he really transitioned into being a DH. This is tough. Very, very tough. Is it a Braille, Stefan?
4: <laughs> it's
2: not a Braille. All right. Is it Freddie Freeman?
4: <laughs>
2: oh, my God. This is a disaster for me. Give me one hint, Stephon, so I could go out at least on a winning note. Uh, '90s, mid 2000s guy, National League player, Jeff Bagwell. Mm. Right church, wrong peel. Albert Pujols. See, so definitely DH too much. That's the thing. You got to think about these guys who don't DH at all. Nineties, two thousands,
4: National League player, Fred McGriff.
2: <laughs> this is pathetic. I feel like I've given every first baseman imaginable in the 90s and the 2000s. Oh, my goodness. Jim Tomei. Mm. I'm out. I'm out. Larry, kicked my ass. Who was it? Todd Helton. Oh, man. You know, I never would have guessed Todd Helton because of all the freaking injuries. Oh, that's going to bother me because that was my next guess, too. Oh, that, it's just not my night. Not my night. What can I say? All right. I want to give some picks on these games. College basketball, we got two games on Thursday. I'm not going to give you the picks for Friday. We'll do that tomorrow. I love Michigan State against Kansas State. Absolutely. I, I edit that. I absolutely love Michigan State. The line opened, Kansas State one. It's now one and a half. You have... Izzo, in March, with a team that's under the radar, absolutely love Michigan State. I like Florida Atlantic against Tennessee because, to me, they play similar styles. And I think Florida Atlantic is going to be comfortable playing the sort of style that Tennessee wants them to play. I see five and a half points. I'm grabbing five and a half points. I think that game is absolutely going to be a rock fight. So with the two games at the Garden, I'm on the Spartans and I'm on the Owls. Now, I love UCLA. I think Gonzaga is dangerous. I think the fact that Gonzaga is under the radar here scares me a little bit. But Jaquez, Tiger Campbell, those guys were on the team that lost to Gonzaga a few years ago. This is a revenge game for them. I'm on the Bruins. I think it's a white knuckle. I think this game comes down to the wire. I think it's the best game of the weekend. Gonzaga and UCLA, and I'm going to be on UCLA And then last but not least, this Arkansas-UConn game is killing me. This is, without a doubt for me, the toughest game of the Florida handicap. I'm worried about Arkansas's inability to handle Sonogo. I'm also worried about UConn dealing with the pressure guards and the experience of the Razorbacks. Public's all over UConn. I'm going to take Arkansas here. I think they cover four and a half. I don't know if they win the game, but I'm going to be on Arkansas. I, I, I'll say this. I think Arkansas is more likely to win than Florida Atlantic because of what Musselman has done the last couple of years at that program. So I'm going to say Michigan State, Arkansas, Owls to cover the number, and UCLA. All right, Jeff Money. Those are my four plays. What do you got?
1: What up, J.J.? Jeff Money here with a handicapper pick to be for Thursday the 23rd, our Sweet 16 Thursday matchups. I'm going to pick all four games because that's what we got to do here with the Sweet 16. Start out for game number one. My money play. I'm going to go with UConn minus the three-and-a-half over Arkansas. I'm going to take Florida Atlantic plus the five-and-a-half over Tennessee. Going to go with Kansas State plus the two over Michigan State, and UCLA minus the two over the Zags. Again, my four plays. I'm going to go with my money play with UConn minus the three-and-a-half, Florida Atlantic plus the five-and-a-half, Kansas State plus the two, and UCLA minus the two. And everyone can follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go.
2: All right, Jeff Money, like it. A lot of family plays there. Do um, you like UConn as the money play? I don't like how public it is. I would say my best bet for tomorrow, if I had to give you a quote-unquote money play, it would be Michigan State. Michigan State is my favorite play on the board. And I know Kent State got the New York guard, undersized, lit up Kentucky. I think the Spartans do a better job of guarding them. And Kansas State did not exactly like the world on fire offensively. Then again, neither did Michigan State. I'm just going with the more battle tested program and the more successful tournament coach. That's really what it boils down to. It's all March, not getting cute, not beating around the bush. Before we say goodbye, I have a funny story to tell. It's not so funny, actually. I'm actually quite annoyed by it, believe it or not. So on Tuesday, I had a wake to go to. So I'm on. Staten Island. It's like 5, 530. And I'm at the wake 30, 40 minutes. Pay my respects. um. And I knew I was playing golf on Wednesday. So I said, all right, I got time. Uh, I'm going to go sneak on and play a couple of holes at, at my local course, Silver Lake. Not a full 18, not even a full nine, just a couple of holes. I get on the course, play hole five, you know, minding my own business, just playing a little bit, put the AirPods in, whatever. For those of you who know Silver Lake Golf Course on Staten Island, and I am all in on the golf course, 105 uphill, part three, blind shot. You do not see the green at all. It's straight up the hill. I hit a pitching wedge, and I hit it really good. It's going right at the stick. And because of the fact that I am on this golf course by myself, there is not a soul in sight, I know I hit it good. I'm like, all right, probably close. I don't see my ball on the ground. And I'm actually saying to myself, I don't want this to be in because nobody's here. And this is a moment that I've waited for my entire life since I started playing golf, as bad as I am. I just want one hole-in-one to celebrate, have a big party, everybody involved. It's never going to happen again. Instead of that, it's me listening to Fleetwood Mac pulling the ball out of the freaking cup in a hole-in-one round in which I'm not playing around. So I I don't know if we count it or not. Beningo insists that we do. I've talked to a few buddies that say absolutely not. It needs to be 18 holes. I'm not even happy about it. But I have to share because it kind of sums me up in a nutshell. Nothing can be simple with me. It has to be as complex and as bizarre and as what the you-know-what is possible. So I'll let you ponder that thought. Count it or not to count it. It happened. The golf gods would attest. Hole six at Silver Lake will never be the same. But I almost feel I have to do it again now in a twosome or a foursome or whatever the case may be on the golf course because, you know, I need my moment. I need the audience. I need to go jump in a lake. I need to get really drunk after it happens. Like, all of that needed to be the case. Me pulling it out by myself, not the same feeling. Talk about a letdown. Talk about anticlimactic. That's as anticlimactic as it gets. So, on that note, something to ponder as you start your Thursday. We'll be back. We have another pod tomorrow after all the basketball games. Starting to make the move. Looking ahead to the start of the baseball season. We have another Nick game. Big one against the Magic. Got to make sure the Knicks are in that 4-5 game getting ready for the Eastern Conference playoffs. Good job by Stefan. More to come tomorrow. I know, weird, quirky scheduling this week, but hey, that's the way the cookie crumbles. JJ out. Enjoy your Thursday. Be good, everybody.